I grew up just like any other kid in Port Newfoundland, around, on, sometimes even in the water. I grew up wanting to be a sailor, uh, just like my father. I eventually sailed on ships all over the world for 20 years. Then I met this guy, Greg Wells. He bought a 100-year-old church in my hometown. Along with a great team of people, there's some very special things happening there. My name is Ryan Gates. This is my hometown of Leonard, Newfoundland. This is Downey's Bank, Silly Cove Records Podcast. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one, the very first episode of the Downey's Bank podcast. Uh, I'll be your host for the podcast. My name is Ryan Gates, and my hometown, of course, is Winterton, Newfoundland. That's kind of the centralized point for everything that that's going to encompass this uh, this podcast. Um, our first guest, of course, we're joined today. I announced that in the pilot. Our first guest is a uh, record producer, two-time Grammy Award-winning record producer, uh, Holy Greg moly. Wells. Yeah, I know, hey? Crazy. Who is this? Who is this I person? Know. I know. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Welcome to the show, Greg. Uh, I guess I've known Greg now for not quite a year, maybe eight months, ten months. Uh, I've gotten to know him quite well because it seems like I talk to you in one way, shape, or form every day for something. Um, Greg purchased the old St. Luke's Anglican Church in my hometown. Uh, it's no longer a church. Uh, it wasn't when Greg purchased it. It was a, uh, what's the word, deconsecrated? Is that the right word in the Anglican Church? Probably. Yeah, it's such a, that word still like freaks me out, but that is the word, deconsecrated. Yeah. Deconsecrated church. So it's a building uh, that used to be a church. Uh, Greg purchased a church, and he's got grand plans for it. Um, I've been part of the process to set up a not-for-profit, uh, which is what you need in Canada to to operate uh, any kind of a any kind of that kind of a community venture. Uh, so we've got a board of people on board. Um, there's six of us now, including Greg, and we're we're knuckles deep into the whole thing. So um, I want to get Greg on to talk about basically um, how it came to be first first and foremost. How how, how do you end up? as a record producer working full time in LA with what, what do you got? Like you got like 200 kids or something too, right? Well, at least six. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I think it, last time I counted it was 200. <laughs> no, fair enough. But I mean, you're a busy man. So how, how does it, how does it come up that, yeah, no, I'm going to buy a church and learn. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you just put it. It was crazy. And, and hilariously I did a, uh, daddy daughter date night dinner loves a lot of d's um a couple nights ago and i was explaining to my daughter who's now six she was five at the time how this all started because i didn't think i'd actually walked her through it but she i feel like she had something to do with it so i was it's just but bonkers and i know how kind of ridiculous this sounds but it's just it's all i've got this is exactly what happened i was putting her to bed last march which is, you know, almost a year ago. It's February now. So March of 2022, I'm, uh, I'm in her room. I'm sitting on a beanbag beside her bed. I got, I've read her a story. Uh, I got my hand on the top of her head. She's starting to, you know, get pretty relaxed and I can hear her breathing start to slow down. And, and sometimes when I do that, then I start to conk out myself. You know, I think there's no greater sedative than one of my kids falling asleep near or on me. I, it's like, uh, it's like a sleeping pill almost. I just, there's some weird, like 
you know, Ethernet cable. That oh, I get it, man. Uh, <laughs> Ditto. You know what I mean? Right? <laughs> it's a thing uh, with parents and kids. So I, I, I passed out for probably half an hour, maybe 40, 45 minutes. And I woke up, you know, sitting there on the same beanbag, and there was a little light in the room. And f- I don't know why, but I woke up and I had this feeling this big gut feeling that and it was it was hilariously specific that on this phone <clears throat> on this little phone um that i could find something right now sitting on that beanbag without leaving her dimly lit bedroom that there was something available right then that felt really special it felt meaningful in kind of a family way but in a kind of bigger, more meaningful way as well, I could not figure out what any of this meant. And it, and weirdly, it felt like like a real estate purchase. Like it felt like a <laughs> that's felt like a building. Specific. So it's so specific and it's so weird. Like it's a weird combo of stuff. And that is exactly what it was. It was exactly all those things and nothing less and nothing more. And I didn't know what that meant. And I thought. You know, well, I've just woken up feeling kind of crazy, <clears throat> which happens. And so I thought, well, let me, you know, I don't know. Let me just search. I've had a couple of times earlier in my life, I've had sort of a, like a little nudge to like look for something. And, and then I found something interesting, not quite as dramatic as what's happened here. But so being a musician who has repurposed a few different buildings over the years creating recording studios like uh you know old warehouses or 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 houses themselves uh, i like looking at like abandoned schools for sale or schools that aren't schools anymore or, or churches that aren't churches anymore i've never i've never pulled the trigger on buying one of those things but it's always been kind of a fantasy and um anyway so I, I live in california and i grew up in ontario but i i came here when i was 21 years old on a canadian canada council arts grant scholarship to study piano here okay cool. and i always thought that i was gonna return uh to ontario when the grant money ran out because i don't come from any kind of money and certainly at that point in my life i didn't have any kind of money i was a young musician it's very hard to keep the lights on as a musician at any point in your life and the thing that kept me here is my piano teachers started recommending me for little uh, jobs here and there, um, like little <clears throat> studio recordings as a, as a piano player. And I'm still here. And that was like 32, 33, 30, I can't do numbers. Over 30 years ago. Um, I'm 54 now. And because I live in California, that's why I brought that up, I started looking in California for a school for sale, a church for sale, a big house, an old like abandoned house for sale. I found some stuff. It was really expensive. I could tell from looking at it, it wasn't going to sound that good because you need high ceilings and you need a lot of different reflections and rafters and stuff like that. Sound really likes that. Sound doesn't like two or three walls. It likes lots of different things to bounce off of. It just sounds better. So I just kind of looked around the states and i found some cool stuff in the southern states but i don't really have any connection to and then i just thought i'm gonna look in canada um uh and i'm always looking at at sort of dream 
you know, real estate stuff in Canada, like maybe retirement, uh, you know, like a retirement cottage or something, or just, you know, just fantasy stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I've been looking at property in Newfoundland since I was in my 20s. And, uh, and also property on, in British Columbia on the West Coast. I love both coasts of Canada. Um, so beautiful. It's like the most beautiful. And they're very different, but they're just unbelievably beautiful, both of them. Um, and I just searched church for sale in Canada. That was my Google search. <laughs> I'll do it. And my memory of what happened 11 months ago is I only got one result. And I clicked on it, and it took me to a listing for a church for sale in Winterton, Newfoundland. And, and I recognized the church, and I thought, oh, my goodness, wait a second. So my mom's, well, first of all, my mom uh, grew up in Newfoundland, and her dad was born and raised in Winterton. And, uh, and he wound up becoming a United Church minister who, uh, you know, grew up, going to the United Church, uh, Trinity United Church in Winterton and, uh, and became a part-time uh, minister there in the summertime. He never was the full-time minister there. He, went, he was working at different churches. Um, but he would preach there a lot. And, and my father, uh, the w way my parents met is my dad also became a United Church minister and he met my mom, because she was studying biology at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, where her dad, my grandfather, was a theology professor at this point. And my dad was there as one of his students. So, so you know, there's like ministers all over the place in my family. And uh, my dad had actually preached in that church at least once, probably more than once. I remember running through this church as a young boy. And I just thought, wow, well, that's got to be it. And it was for sale and it was for sale for not a terribly terrifying amount of money like it was it was a it was affordable um and so i clicked on the link sorry i'm taking a long time to tell this story but i'm kind of reliving it as i'm telling it yeah, i clicked on the story. link and uh <laughs> yeah it's it's one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me but it's the good crazy clicked on the link uh to wayne harris the the real estate agent who had the listing and um I guess Wayne was super busy. He never got back to me. And uh, I emailed him again, didn't hear from him. I called him, didn't hear back from him. I called him a second time, didn't hear back from him. I called him a third time, and he picked up. And, and I was just almost frantic at this point. Like, you know, I must buy this church. I must buy this church. I must buy. And he said, your story's amazing. That's great. Unfortunately, the listing's outdated. And the church... Uh, has been sold the deal's closed it's done and i had no idea what was going on i just felt this is this just got really weird and and weird <laughs> in a way that made no sense to me at all you know especially after this kind of whatever you want to call it some sort of like weird you know i don't know i don't know what any of it means um and i just got you know really quiet and just you know blindsided by that info and he, and then Wayne really generously said, look, um, do you want me to let you know if, if 
some other churches in the area come up for sale. And I said, well, okay, sure. He said, I think there might be. Um, uh, I have a lead on on one church in particular that might hit the market soon, and it, it's beautiful. And I now I, I know he was talking about St. Luke's. So about a month later, he reached out and he said, there's a really beautiful church that's right in front of the one that you thought you were going to be able to get. Um, it's actually in better condition, much better condition. Uh, it's more expensive, but he said, I think it's worth it. And he sent me some photos and he made a little video and I just got really interested in it. And it didn't really bother me at all that like that's not the church that I ran through when I was a kid or that that's not the church that my grandfather preached in a lot. It didn't matter. It was, you know, my the, the house that my grandfather grew up in, which his grandfather built, is just down the road from both of these churches. And it's all like, it's the same, you know, my grandmother, my grandmother is from Random Island across Trinity Bay. It's all the same. I mean, literally the same area code. So I was in and, uh, and I didn't want to lose out on it. And uh, I came in with a strong bid. And uh, it took a long time to uh, you know, buying property, now I know this, buying property from a church, you're not just buying it from a single person. You ha- it has to be approved by all these different boards and, you know, the archdiocese and all the way up to like the the bishop and the archbishop and all this stuff. There's all these checks and balances. And I understand why. It took forever. But it happened. And it worked. And, and everyone was really sweet and really cool about it. And um, I finally got the key. Um, I think the day before I showed up in winterton <laughs> you know i had the ticket booked months before um or certainly weeks before and and we still we couldn't even find the deed for the land there was no record of of any permission given to the anglican church to build a church on that land you know so it's, I mean, and now i know that that's not a completely uncommon thing in rural newfoundland it's it's you know it's sometimes those records get lost or uh, which was all sort of just kind of a fascinating part of me walking backwards into this. But, you know, here we are talking about this, and it really is true that that you and I wind up communicating m- most days, you know, uh, at least once a day about stuff that we're both really passionate about. And I, I remember saying to the people that are on the board of directors for trinity hall which is what saint luke's church is now called um which you are also on uh i feel like we've known each other for way 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 longer than since last july which is the first time i met first time you guys met me first time i met all of you and it feels like there's no way that this couldn't be happening you know it just feels like this of course this is happening and this feels like all this wind in the sails and all this momentum and i still feel as pulled toward it uh as i ever did if more so i think about it all the time um i think about it every day and i'm just so excited to see where it all goes i mean just even why don't you talk about what just happened an hour ago I, I had planned that, and I think it's a perfect segue. Um, so an hour ago, we're all doing our own thing. I was over at the church yesterday, 
there's massive renovations on the go at, at Trinity Hall. It's, uh, and we sometimes refer to it as the church. Sometimes we refer to it as Trinity Hall. It's kind of, I don't, I don't know. It is I mean, it for is. me, it's always going to be a church, and I'm good with yeah. that. I grew up in the church. It's just beautiful. It's a church. I want it to look like a church. That's exactly. a big part. I don't want it to not look like a church. We, we're not allowed to call it a church officially, but <laughs> Man, it's, it's definitely not a fire station. It's a church. <laughs> Absolutely. If it, if it swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a, it's a church. So, um, but anyway, uh, we were, I was over there yesterday because we've got massive upgrades ongoing. I mean, in buying an old building, you buy old infrastructure. And when Greg bought the building, we had some surprises in the heating system. There were surprises in the electrical. There were surprises in the construction. Um, so I've been kind of involved on the ground level there, <laughs> literally on the ground level in this story. Um, we were looking at the, the, the building always had forced air. Um, forced air uh, from an oil furnace. So, I mean, you're talking about two great big commercial grade furnaces that burn an exceptional amount of oil that are driving heat into an uninsulated building. It's not the most efficient way to heat anything in 2023. So after many quotes and conversations and video chats like this one, we, we've settled on uh, installing a heat pump because that is the future. That's where this is, that's where the world is headed uh, in efficiency and hopefully greener energy. Anyway, long story short, we wanted to use the existing ductwork as well. It heated the church for 70 years. It can continue to heat the church. So um, in, in knowing the ductwork was there, I, I wasn't satisfied to to go on other people's opinions of what might be there, what might be there, or secondhand information. I wanted to get up under the church and see it for myself and help put Greg's mind at ease, who was in Los Angeles while these conversations were ongoing with contractors and, and spending, you know, uh, making a significant investment. You want to make sure you're making the right decision. Um, so I said, no, I'll haul on my coveralls. I'll crawl under this old building and hopefully not die. Um, and I did. I got up under the building, crawled more or less the length of the building. The ductwork was in exceptional shape. You're talking about, you know, a high-grade uh, galvanized galvanized ductwork that they don't even make it like that anymore. It's It would be too expensive to make it like that. Uh, in a pristine, basically pristine condition, uh, with the exception of the area right back next to the furnace room, which was had been collapsed by someone throwing some lumber in there on top of some ductwork and whatnot. That would have needed to have been replaced anyway. That was that in in order to install a combined system, we would have had to tie both lines together because there's a line on each side of the church which heats the building. Anyway, long story short, uh, while I was under the church, I'm crawling around. There's about at the best, there's near the entrance. There's probably two feet of clearance. As I got further up underneath the church, you're you're down to eight inches. We're up near the doors. It's you're just not able to crawl up there. It's it's too too shallow with the slope of the land. But on my way back out, as I'm coming down the other side of the church, I noticed something, like I said, there's about, at that point between me and what I'm looking at, there was about six inches gap. I'm looking up at the floor and it's an old window, uh, an incredibly old window. And I couldn't tell how big it was because again, when you're this close to anything, you can't judge how long it is, how wide it is, but I could tell it was stained glass because of the intricate, you know, circular designs that were in this, in this old window. I didn't know if it was even intact. I, I figured if it was, if someone took the time to secure it to the bottom of the floorboards of the church, it must be somewhat complete. I could tell there was some broken panes and whatnot in the glass. Um, anyway, I took a quick, quick video clip. I'm sure that'll make its way out to the public at some point or another. I, maybe documentary. Who knows? Let's see. But uh, things that we're hoping to do in the future. 
But in any case, I took a video clip, I sent it to Greg, and Greg was excited, like anybody. Well, we're both we're both history nerds too. We both like old things. Um, so I was excited, and we kind of left it there for now because we said, well, you know, winter was coming. We said we'll figure out a way to get this out of the underbelly of the church at another date. Part of the renovations that were ongoing yesterday were in the process of renovating what we call the stage area, uh, which would have been, you know, the, where the, I guess, where choirs would have performed, maybe even the pulpit. I have no idea the whole, all the intricacies of what was up there. There was an organ there at one point or another. But we're making the stage all one level, meaning we got to tear out a small platform. Underneath that platform, there was nothing. It was wide open to the underbelly of the church. So I mentioned to our chair, Rhoda, so she's on the ground every day. So I don't live in Winterton anymore. I, I, I'm about 45 minutes from there. I said, Rhoda, when the contractors come back tomorrow, have them look for this. And I sent her a screenshot of the video that I took and see if they can find it under the church because they're tearing up floorboards. I would figure about 10 feet from where I was when I took the clip. She said, yes, absolutely, 100%. I'll, I'll get them to look. And, uh, and about an hour ago, they unearthed this. I don't know how. It's got to be eight feet high six to eight feet high from my guess from the, from the video, from the picture that Rhoda sent us. And it's just uh, an, an immaculate, uh, I won't say immaculate. It's, it's an immaculate demonstration of what a stained glass window would have looked like in Port Newfoundland a hundred years ago. It's um, beautiful. It, it is just beautiful. Even in the way it sits covered in dust, a hundred years of dust and dirt and with some of the glass broken out, it, it's just stunning. So these are the kind of things that we're unearthing. I also didn't tell you yesterday when we cut a hole in the floor for to run a new ground rod for the electrical, we also found a, a stubby beer bottle from the 1950s, not a Dominion yeah. ale bottle. So whoever was working on the church in the 50s was also drinking at the same time, which well, explains. You know, Jesus turned the water into wine. I mean. Well, it explains a lot of our issues too. Uh, <laughs> if the boys were drinking when they were doing the work. But anyway, we found <laughs> a lot of interesting things as we're going here. And, uh, and that's something that, Again, we sent Lerota sent the pictures out this morning, and we all got chatting. And everyone, you can you can feel the passion, you can feel the excitement in and around the things we're doing, uh, because none of us are making any money, Mr. Wells included. This is all and strictly not for profit. It's strictly a passion project. And when you can unearth a bit of history like that, and we're going to do some digging, try to find out where it came from, what was it original to that church? Uh, I suspect it was. Uh, but again, we're going to do our do our due diligence. We got some people on. We got a really unique group too. Well, I think we'll slide into that. We got a really unique group of people on the Trinity Hall board. Uh, myself and Greg, of course, we already mentioned, but we have uh, Jeremy Harnham. Who, again, we're, this is a small town too, guys. Like we're talking about <laughs> a couple of three hundred people in this town. I mean, maybe as many as five hundred people. I'm not sure what the last census was, but it's not a big town. Uh, Jeremy Harnham. He's actually my first cousin, uh, so I've known Jeremy. I remember when he was born. Um, Jeremy uh, got a degree in folklore. Uh, he's done interviews across the province for the Winterton Boat Building Museum where he's interviewed people on heritage projects to get the ins and outs of, of exactly what we're talking about here with this window. So we got a guy like Jeremy on staff. Uh, he was a former curator at a museum as well. Uh, he's also a professional photographer. You can see where this is going. <laughs> um, Rhoda Head is our, is our chair. Uh, she's chair of the board. She's on the ground at Trinity Hall every other day there's nothing happens there and she's not there um whenever i look at committees i've been involved in committees my entire life i always put them in in in, in the i always as i'm a car guy too i'm a car nut i always compare committees to to a car engine and there are certain parts of a car engine that are required 
some do certain different jobs, uh, but but Rhoda is, is the oil that lubricates the engine. Uh, she keeps everything moving. Uh, Greg's the gasoline. He poured the gasoline on the fire here. So, <laughs> but uh, Rhoda's the, the the oil that keeps keeps everything moving in, in motion. And uh, and we 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 wouldn't be very far without her. That's for sure. Uh, our VP is is Ann Walker. Uh, and again, like Rhoda, is a former school teacher. Barrels of experience uh, in and around uh, committees and organizations, uh, and she is a former patron of the church, like Rhoda. And last but certainly not least is Mandy Norris. Now, again, small town. I grew up approximately, my bedroom window was approximately 10 feet from the house that Mandy grew up in. <laughs> so, like, I've known Mandy again since I was a child. We grew up together. Um, her brother is one of my best friends. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a really unique group. Mandy comes comes from a PR background, of all things. So, she's a, she's a professional uh PR. I don't even know what her title is, but she's she she handles public relations for high end corporations, and uh, and she's quite good at her job. Uh, so having that coupled into uh, to what you're seeing here uh, is kind of a perfect team, in my opinion. But I'd, I'll let you elaborate a little bit on on your thoughts and your team. Because you assembled it. It's your good or bad. It's your doing. Well, I feel really fortunate to uh, to know any of you. Seriously, uh, it's really been an amazing little journey um i think it's i think it's okay to reveal at this point although he'll probably be really embarrassed if i do but he was enormously helpful to me so i had do you know the story of cyrano de bergerac it's been made into a movie a few times it's a fantastic story it's about this uh this this like good looking guy who had this terrible crush on this girl. She might've been a princess or something, but he that sounds like a Freddie Prince jr. Movie is Freddie Prince jr. I'm Freddie Prince. You know, I'm sure he, <laughs> not, yeah, not so much. He could have been, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he, this guy, the story is, is that the gorgeous guy, like who just was brain dead. Like he couldn't talk. He couldn't say anything eloquent. So he, he found this guy who is hideous to look at, but unbelievably, eloquent and and he would whisper he would give the guy things to say so there's a there's a very feeble parallel between that story and what i'm about to say so i would joke that uh that grant tucker was my cyrano de bergerac in winterton and you know i'm not saying that grant is hideous he's a very handsome man actually and uh i'm just saying that he really grant really 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 helped me navigate all kinds of stuff and continues to help me navigate all kinds of stuff um uh in winterton and just kind of in general he's sort of become kind of a very friendly you know well a friend but also like a mentor and uh and and so i was just kicking the can around with him a lot you know even way before it looked like i could purchase saint luke's and and I think it was his uh, suggestion to to assemble some sort of you know like a like a, a team to help me because at first I've never done this before so at first I just thought it would just be me buying it and trying to do whatever I was going to do. And he said, "No, you should involve some local people and have them help." And and uh, and I had a lot of people um, raise their hand on Facebook yourself included you very demonstratively reached out like or early 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 days you 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 reached out put your hand up and said hey 
um, I see what you're doing there. And it seems a lot of the stuff that you're interested in, Greg, is exactly up my alley too. And if you want a hand or want help, uh, let's talk. And um, uh, anyway, so the most exciting thing to me about all of this is what I hope we can do with Trinity Hall. And currently what that idea is, which in my mind has always been the idea, and I hope it remains unchanged for eternity, is that because I'm a musician and it's sort of the only thing I'm good at on a good day, um, it's my sweet spot. And I would like to use that beautiful building with all of its history and you know importance to the community um, and the fact that that church itself is built on the site of a couple of different churches that you know the original one was built in the 1700s that's why that cemetery has you know headstones that go back to the 1700s there was the an original church there and that church I'm not sure if that's the church that burned down, but anyway, that another church got built on the same site in the 1800s, and I'm pretty sure that one burned in a fire, and they built a new one. And I think the one that's there now is the fourth iteration of a church that's built on that exact same property, possibly the third. It might be the fourth. So we're, you know, we're all standing on the shoulders of our ancestors, that's also a big feeling for me of 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 doing what we're doing there uh, that my my mom's parents my grandparents who i was super close to love them dearly coolest people i've ever met in my life <clears throat> are from that area my grandfather specifically is from literally down the road from the church um but the fact that you know that you and i are history nerds um what's past is prologue i love that phrase you know what if you don't study history we're all going to repeat the same mistakes again but also connecting history to the future is 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 a really productive and a fascinating thing so you know you flagging that there's probably a really special window i mean talk about standing on the shoulders of our ancestors i mean we're literally standing on this old window which we didn't even know until you were you know within a six inch oxygen space under the church which nobody asked you to do you did that on your own volition totally on your own accord um and you know had you not reminded the the guys that are there working on it today to go look for it it'd still be there you know i would have forgotten that you had found that and flagged it um or like my obsession with getting the original bell back you know i remember looking at the bell tower going well where is the bell and some people said, oh, there is a bell up in there. Um, and I looked for it. I couldn't find a bell. And then someone said, I actually know someone, the, the original bell is on someone's lawn, um, like a lawn ornament. And we found it. And, you know, it took months, but we worked out a deal where I bought the bell from this guy. And we got it back. And there it is. And it's back in Trinity Hall. And it's it's from 1904. And, and it still it says it doesn't say Winterton on the bell. It says Silly Cove. Um, the history of having that and then having this window and having the church. And it's all about turning this space into a modern thing that helps the community today and in the future is where I'm what I'm trying to say, like using this beautiful historic 
super special place as an epicenter for the community to use music specifically, but also it could be theater, it could be anything creative. It could even, it can be whatever makes sense to happen in that space. But because I have a bias as a musician, the first thing I see is music. Um, and I want to use it to, uh, not just to raise awareness of Winterton as a really gorgeous, super special spot on planet earth, uh, without spoiling it, but also to, if, if we ever make any kind of money from anything like ticket sales or record sales or anything at all that it be used, you know, I'm never pocketing a penny of profit. This is entirely a money losing venture for me. And that's, that's how I want it. You know, this is, I want them any profit to go back into the community and we'll figure out the best place to put it, whether it's the ambulance service or whether it's, it can be anything from a food bank to what, like whatever we think makes sense. Um, and, uh, you know, look, if I get abducted by a UFO tomorrow, if I, you know, I get hit by a truck tomorrow, please like continue that vibe forever. Like that's what I want it to be. Um, I just, I want it to pay, I want to pay it forward. You know, I want to use that beautiful, the, the spirit of the church is all about, you know, everything that Jesus would talk about. It's all like just making everyone, not making your life better, but making your life is made better by making everybody's life better, right? Like, like literally love your enemy, which is pretty revolutionary advice. Even today, you know, it's mind blowing for so many people that call themselves Christian. Really love your enemy, turn the other cheek. What? So it's, you know, uh, I'd like to keep that same spirit and, and, and do it through music and uh just you know bring some amazing people to trinity hall to perform but also to do workshops and to do educational stuff i'd like to figure out a way to um you know maybe have uh some kind of uh funding from you know like arts funding from the uh, government federal or provincial to bring in clinicians so that tend to thing like that don't have to pay for it it can be free for them they don't have to pay a fee um but the clinicians themselves get a fee to show up and um stuff like that you know we haven't done anything yet we still have a furnace that we can turn on i think we're about 24 hours away from being able to turn on the heat pump um we're still getting up and running and i feel like i have such a great team you know you being a very big part of that as well on the ground either in winterton or nearby uh to help facilitate the whole thing i feel like we're all looking at the same objective so with all that in mind um you come up with the idea of silly Cove records this is <laughs> it's a quite obvious name to me i i loved it when you mentioned it i was like no 100 percent. that makes all the sense in the world certainly now that we've recovered that old bill like just the whole history i was always of the mindset growing up um uh, Hey, there you go. Silico Fooderian Public House. And by the way, this was not by design. But <laughs> I swear to you, I put this on having no idea we were doing the podcast today. I've had this on for a few hours. Yeah, I didn't know we were doing the podcast today. 
so <laughs> Mandy Norris is gonna love that because aside from being our PR lady and uh, and and sweetheart of a girl who's helping with everything she possibly can, she's also one of the part owners of Silly Cove Foodery and Public House, which is again conceptually it's something that hasn't been done in Winterton before, where they're, they're trying to have high quality food in there, which it is. It's absolutely amazing food. Oh, the food is so good. Yeah, it's it's world class stuff that they're putting out, and at the same time, creating a a community dynamic, a space where people can go on a Friday evening to enjoy someone plucking an acoustic guitar and enjoy having a drink with friends or a nice meal or pub grub or whatever it might be. When they came up with that idea, which was, by the way, I'll talk to Mandy hopefully on this podcast about this someday soon. And they come up with the idea, and then like six months later, after they bought the building, COVID nineteen, poof. <laughs> so yeah. The fact that they've survived and and they've made it through the pandemic and they're out on the other side, I'm so happy. Uh, hopefully that business flourishes and grows right along with all everything that we're doing here. Uh, but again, uh, Silly Cove, yeah, it's the former name of Winterton. The history of it, from what I'm told, and again, pff, half of what you're going to hear on here is lies anyway, uh, because not on purpose, but it's, it's, it's secondhand information a lot of the time. The, the name used to be Skilly Cove, I think is, is how it was pronounced originally. And of course, mm. Newfoundlanders talking like we do. I talk really fast. It's going to be a stumbling block for this podcast for anybody who's not from the island. But uh, hey, you know, deal with it. Uh, it is what it is. But when Newfoundlanders says Skilly Cove, it very soon found its way to Silly Cove. And it's really funny how the world has changed because back then you didn't want anyone to draw attention to the name of a town. You didn't want to be recognized for anything. You just wanted to go to work, do your work, come home and go to sleep. So they decided to change the name to Winterton, uh, which is named after James Winter, a former politician, I'd like to say. Again, stand to be corrected. And again, that's what the comment section is for, for all you you nerdy nerds who like to correct people on online. Go for it. Fill me in. Uh, but uh, yeah, something along those lines. But I was always the mindset growing up. I was like, why don't they change the name back? Why don't they just change the name back? Because yeah, you want to be recognized now. Everyone, everyone, everyone in the world would love to have that kind of a history behind their, their town. I mean, I, I'd have no issue with it. I'd champion the, I'd champion the, uh, the effort, but anyway, that might never happen. And it's just my crazy mind at work, but I always loved that. That was a little story in in our hometown. And when you wanted to, tossed that uh, on the record label. I said, that is perfect. It's, it's a perfect homage to, to the, to the town. My question to you is since you started a silly cove records, cause it's again, since I've come on board with you on that project, it's already evolving. Uh, you came on board with the idea of, okay, let's, let's reproduce some classic Newfoundland music, which we are going to do hundred percent. There's too much good music or not to, but since you've gotten, gotten exposed to some of the talent and since I've, I've been sending you clips and videos and stuff, weekly uh since i met you just to again help you get up the speed of what there is around what what's your from a from a i mean put all this this lovey-dovey story to one side just from an, a, an executive a record producer in los angeles who are working with some of the best in the world what's your take on some of the talent that you're seeing out of newfoundland oh it um there's certain areas of the world that i've i've noticed you know old man that i am like just uh uh, when you start working in, uh, you know, music, just like, you know, Ryan, when you were traveling a lot, 
on on ships and you wind up like being in you know you're around the world a bunch right it's mm -hmm. just that that's one of those jobs where you have to travel a lot music is also one of those jobs where you have to i wouldn't travel to as many parts of the world as you did but i would travel to parts of the world where english-speaking music is a thing so i i you know i've seen a lot of that and i've noticed that there's certain hot spots where the bar of talent and the bar of quality is much higher than than most other places um you know off the top of my head like austin texas is a place like that where uh, there's just like amazing live venues still in 2023 there's like there's live venues all over the place there's amazing musicians there um Edmonton, Canada is another place where just loads of great musicians have come out of Edmonton for decades. I, I, I don't know exactly why, but uh, Edmonton is, a, is another sort of epicenter of great musicians. Uh, uh, Oaxaca, Mexico, tons of great musicians coming out of there. Ireland, unbelievable, unbelievable, you know, Scandinavia, Sweden in particular. No, I would say all Scandinavia. My wife is Swedish, so I'm I'm a little more skewed towards Sweden because I've spent a bunch of time there. But there's something about the Scandi countries that where the musicians are just like yeah. incredible. You uh, know, like, I spent some time in Norway in Trondheim, in Norway on the, on the uh, west coast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's a there's a rock and roll museum there called Rockheim, and just getting that. Well, I mean, what a lot of people don't know is death metal kind of began in in Norway. It was kind of like that was kind of a subculture all in itself and it just grew and all blew up all over the world. But like their, their connection to music in Scandinavia, you're right, is, is, is amazing. It's, and it's so deep and quality. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yep. It's really, it's really something else. So, you know, and even, uh, my hometown, uh, Peterborough, Ontario has a thing too, where there's a, there's a, uh, disproportionate amount of, world-class musicians for mm. a town of 60,000 people. Uh, it's really, it's kind of weird. It's that most towns of that size don't have, I don't think they don't have the same. Anyway, Newfoundland is definitely in that same ballpark. Uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And, and the, the most charming thing about it to me is that I, you know, it's really hard to be objective about it when you're in it right like mm -hmm. you, you the only way to really tell how you compare to something else is to actually do an a b comparison which means you would have to then get out of newfoundland and go see what it's like to be in pittsburgh or go see what it's like to be in nigeria or go see what it's like to be in paris and and compare you know like what's it like in the general populace if you just go see it like a regular club who's playing what's it like and i remember um I remember uh, just trying to get insurance for Trinity Hall when I was buying it. And it was hard to find insur insurance companies that wanted to give me a policy on an old church that had no insulation and wasn't going to have people in it very much. You know, mm -hmm. um, I couldn't really predict how often there would be people in it. Um, and I live, you know, here in Los Angeles most of the time. And so uh, a lovely guy, Bill Hicks, was uh, helping me get insurance. And he mentioned at one point in an email, he's like, oh, I used to be in a band. And 
and you know i i get being in the music business i get that a lot from people and i've learned unfortunately i've learned to 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 not jump on that information because i never know what's behind that and quite often it's 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 not necessarily something i'm looking for you know mm-hmm. um because there's a world of people who have all this desire and everything but they don't necessarily have they haven't necessarily put the work in to like have something kind of world class to offer up that matches the desire sometimes it's just the desire and we can't really do anything with that you got to have both um and i i was just i didn't really react to it, it was, i just needed an insurance policy and, and then once we'd exchange a bunch of emails and he never brought it up again and then i brought it up after we had the policy i said hey uh you know I'd, I'd be curious to hear what your band sounded like and he wrote back he said, really you're seriously you're interested I said, yeah sure what the heck <laughs> they send me something yeah. he sent me a song and he sounded like he sounded like he sounded amazing he sounded like damien rice or something he just sounded like he has the most incredible voice it was just him live playing acoustic guitar just singing and he just decided he didn't want to do music professionally as his main job, but he's kind of like a world-class voice. He's an amazing songwriter. And, you know, he, uh, anyway, so I, it's just, you know, even, even Ryan, like the people that you have found, you know, starting with Courtney Wicks, who, who grew up a stone's throw, as you put it, from St. Luke's Anglican Church and sang in that church a bunch, you know, as a younger girl and um uh like the vibe that she has when she sings and that's the first recording that we did at trinity hall it's just it's like you know it's chilling it's it's amazing it's uh and and i feel like we've made an album which is about to come out in a couple months or maybe a little sooner it's uh you know i mean in my in my view it's like a world-class beautiful amazing thing it's 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 all traditional music which is what i wanted um it's just presented uh very beautifully very simply you really hear the sound of the church you know we had microphones way up in the air capturing the sound of her voice bouncing off the the ceiling and the back of the church it's a really stunning sounding room acoustically um and uh and we we've signed uh newer artists as well we've got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline i'm completely rambling right now sorry i've gone way no, off but it's a good question. ramble uh i'm gonna point you in a direction don't let you go again because yeah, please do please do <laughs> you're, you're right um we got some announcements coming and we can't do that right this second but the stuff that's coming is is just as exciting as, as courtney for me i'm really really pumped about the fact that the one tidbit i'll throw out there to the public is that in our next album, well, our next album is, is Jeremy Harnum's album, which is completely a departure from what we did with Courtney. That one's already could been not announced. be further could not be further yeah, afield. I mean, from, but so yeah. interesting to be able to 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 give him that bump in the right direction again. Stones top of Stones throw. He could he could roll his car down the road with no gasoline and smash into your church. Hopefully he doesn't. But like he he owns a house behind the church. He's on our board. He's a photographer. We brought him in with no intention of including the the uh, the music, and Greg had to listen to the music, and he's like, you know what? We should record that, well, and, and and why not? It's it's unique. It's quality. He's he's very. It's really funny. Jeremy will always say one of his uh, one of his inspirations, of course, is the Foo Fighters. He's a big, grew up big Foo Fighters fan, Nirvana fan, Dave Grohl, and there's a little bit of what he does that just 
throws me in that Dave Grohl direction where, you know, that first Foo Fighters album, Dave went into a studio, locked himself in, recorded everything himself, came out with an album that sold millions of copies. I don't expect Jeremy to sell millions of copies right out of Trinity Hall, but again, you never know until you record it, right? Um, it's very unique, and I think I think people who appreciate that genre of music are really going to appreciate what you guys put together there. I really do. Uh, but further to Jeremy's album, we do have some more stuff coming that is non-traditional Newfoundland music. It's Newfoundland artists that are here on this island that are kind of, uh, I won't say spinning wheels, but uh, you only get so far without a nudge in the right direction as well. And I think, I'm not saying that we're going to put them over the top with Silly Cove Records. It's not designed to do that, but it'll give them an outlet to to uh, to get their music out and seen and then see where it goes for them. The beauty about Silly Cove Records is there's no ties to us after the album is done contractually these artists are free to do whatever they like after their album is released and uh and i think that's a very special part of what we're doing here is just giving them an opportunity and what they do with that opportunity is completely up to them so yeah i'm i'm super pumped about where it's going uh the sky's the limit um silly cove email address is still on the facebook page if anybody's interested send along something you never know right we don't we don't obviously we can't take everybody who who sends an email, but, uh, you know, if something really, really spurs an emotion or, or really says, you know, that's, that's interesting stuff. We can, we can certainly look at it. So again, keep those submissions coming. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I truly love it. Um, you recently got an opportunity. This is not a silly cold records thing, but it's a Greg Wells thing. Um, and I, I want to touch on it because I, I, I can't think of a reason not to, uh, Justin fancy, um, spent some time with you just a couple of weeks back in Los Angeles doing some songwriting. Uh, I just want you to touch on briefly, Greg, on the story of how you got connected with Justin. And then I want you to talk some more about the, uh, the recording or not the recording, the writing experience you guys shared together. I'm not sure that the words briefly and Greg belong. I in know, the same sentence, I but, know. God, go for it. Um, I will see how brief you can get on the, on the how. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to set an alarm or something. Like put up a <laughs> 10 seconds left. Um, so, uh, just, I'll try and be, uh, I'll try and edit myself. Ha ha ha. Um, I was trying to reach out to uh, Music Newfoundland, Music yep. NL, and uh, I wasn't getting anywhere. Uh, I was writing to them on their Instagram account, and I did not realize that they were going through uh, a change of the people running it. And I guess whoever was whoever was originally receiving those emails through Instagram had not passed on that information to uh Rhonda who's running it now and uh she didn't she wasn't getting my email so uh I made a post on Instagram saying can anyone help connect me to music and and Justin uh put his hand up and said uh, hey I'm I'm an artist here in Newfoundland uh I know who runs it now uh Rhonda's amazing and let me connect you and he did and that was it that's all he said and I'm like well, who is this guy he's so cool thank you very much. And, and he, and Rhonda, I had a great call and now we know each other and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll be able be able to partner up on uh, some future stuff. And then I realized Justin, you know, he's a singer and he's got a thing going and, and I went to his Instagram page and I listened to some of his songs and I really liked it. That's it. That's it. I just really liked what he was doing. Uh, you know, I haven't had a ton of, 
I haven't worked a lot in the space of modern country music. I really like old country music, like Patsy Cline, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and like the like super old stuff, Hank Williams Sr. Um, I've worked with Keith Urban and Carrie Underwood, but that's kind of it, really. Uh, Kelsey Ballerini had a song with Rascal Flatts, but that's kind of it. Like, I, I, most of my stuff has been not Nashville, but something about what Justin's doing, it just really uh, connected with me. And so I wrote to him, I said, do you want to talk about maybe like, like maybe we should work together? Um, and he, anyway, so we wound up talking and, um, and I invited him to come to uh, to write with me, just to see, because I, I never charge anybody to write songs with me. It's free, and I just said, if you can get here, uh, put yourself up in a in a hotel, and let's write Monday to Friday. Let's just see what we get. Um, and we thank, and you never know what the how that's going to go until you try. Mm-hmm. And we wrote three songs. I, I I feel really great about those three songs, and uh, and I think I'm gonna be. I want to be. I think we're gonna be uh, working together on his new album. Um, wow. and he has an incredibly talented uh, producer named uh, Clint. Who um, I can't remember where Clint lives. That would be Clint Curtis, and Clint he's Curtis a, lives. I think it's more central. Yeah, I think Grand Falls, Scander Grand Falls area. I, I can't say for certain, but yeah, he's in central Newfoundland. Yeah, he's a beast of a talent. He is really incredible, and 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 by no means do I want to elbow him out of the picture. I want it to be the the three of us, mm. uh, and I want to give him all the space to continue doing exactly what he does. And I just want to sort of come in and kind of just join the team and and just try to. Um, you know, create something for Justin that hopefully um, just gives him a big blast of wind in in, in his sails. Because um, I think he's he's doing it for all the right reasons, and I think he's damn good. I think he's really good. He's a really great songwriter. That was immediately obvious to me when we started. He knows a good idea from a great one. He knows what's not a good idea. He knows what works for him. He knows what doesn't work for him. Those are qualities I recognized uh, in all of the the artists I've worked with who have had careers with longevity, who have made really mm-hmm. good decisions for themselves. Um, he reminded me of a lot of that stuff. So it's exciting for me. Um, and, and it feels like it's exciting for both me and him. So uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've, I've known Justin for a couple of years, a mutual friend, not on a real personal basis, but enough to like to reach out to him personally. And, I've had him on the on the books for a project here and there when it comes to, you know, playing live shows and stuff. None of it really panned out because of schedules and not because of anything other than that. We just couldn't get the timelines to line up to do a show. But uh, just a quality guy and and I think what separates Justin from some of the others, and I don't wanna I don't wanna cast musicians as dummies by any stretch, that's not what I'm trying to say, but Justin is very, very intelligent. He's a very intelligent individual, like above average for anybody, not just musicians, but I mean just in general, he's an intelligent guy. And, uh, and he brings that to the forefront in, in how he rolls his music out. Uh, he involves the right people. I know you probably haven't gotten into the, 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 the nitty gritty with him yet as to his band and who plays with him, but Nick Earl plays lead guitar for Justin Fancy. Nick Earl is one of the best guitar players to ever come off of his island, in my opinion. I'm no expert. I'm hoping to be someday. <laughs> but, uh, but when I, when I listen to, to, to guitar players in Newfoundland Labrador, when it comes to guys who can really bump it out, uh, Nick Earl is, is in a league of his own. Uh, mm. Nick was one of those kind of YouTube sensation kids from Newfoundland who, 
you know, I remember seeing videos of him when he was just a child that his dad uploaded him playing blues music. And he came out as a blues musician when he was still a teenager, released a couple of albums, which are absolutely astounding. Uh, and he's been, you know, gigging around with different bands now for a little while. And, and he's got his own blues act going. It's been winning awards. Uh, and he's teamed up with Justin. And I mean, when you, when you pull that kind of team together, and like I said, it's not by accident. Justin's an intelligent guy. He's picking the right people. Um, right you're going to have success. Um, so again, big shout out to Nick Earl. Cause I'm a huge fan. I bought his, his, his album. Uh, if you guys are looking for a good blues, blues rock album, uh, Nick Earl and the restless hearts. I got it on vinyl here. Actually, I bought it, uh, last year when it came out. Uh, fantastic. Listen, I, I'm absolute must. Even my children like it. <laughs> so my children don't like anything, but yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate your, your take on the, on the local artists in particular, like I said, to talking about Justin, um, Again, just just a great guy, but I want to shine the spotlight a little bit on Greg Wells. I know this, uh, which is kind of a weird thing. You're you're kind of a humble dude. Um, I'm boring. I'm boring. Don't shine a spotlight on me. No, this I'm, is go not, I'm going know. to. Whether you like it or not, it's too late. No, 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 no. But please don't, because everything I'm, you know, what we're doing here is like it's really it's. I mean, you know, I understand. Like I work with famous people. I'm not famous, but I work with famous people, and I suppose that brings a certain headwind with it, but. Like, I don't want this to be about me. You know what I okay, mean? Okay, fine. It's not going to be about you. But I know a guy who just won a second Grammy. So I want to bring that up. All right, All right fair enough. Fine. <laughs> All right. So uh, what is it? What, today is Wednesday. So on Sunday, uh, I'm sitting at home, and my phone blows up. I'm like, oh, this, this is interesting. Maybe someone's dead. Anyway, I pick up my phone. And I'm like, <laughs> that's, honestly, that's like, when your phone explodes, that's usually bad news, right? And And... Justin Fancy had messaged me. Another one of our upcoming performers that we're going to announce had messaged me. A couple of different friends who knew I was involved in this project messaged me. They're like, have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? I'm like, heard what? Uh, Greg just won a second Grammy. Uh, so my next message was to Greg. I said, Greg, uh, you want a Grammy, man? Like He's like, yeah, I know. So <laughs> take me through that experience. I mean, obviously, you're not at the Grammys at the time. I do know that much, but the rest you can fill, fill us in on. Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, sitting in this very chair, and you can't see what I'm looking at, but I'm looking at my computer monitor, and I was actually sitting here. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was in my pajamas, and I I'm in the middle of a of a, a movie right now that is a lot of work, and I'm having to work weekends. I'm having to work kind of basically every free minute I've got. I'm not seeing my kids enough. It's it's tough, but I signed up for it creatively it's really rewarding but it's heavy lifting and so i'm sitting here working away <clears throat> and uh i think it was about like 1 30 in the afternoon los angeles time and i i knew that that day was the date of the grammys but in my head i thought the grammys don't start to like you know 5 p.m la time yeah and uh and i wasn't gonna go anyway because i I've been, um, I've, I've performed on the Grammys three times over the years and, uh, I've been nominated six times and I, I, I won, I won my first Grammy in 2019 and, you know, I've been in LA for over 30 years. And so it's, 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 it was insanely exciting for me. It still is insanely exciting. It's very surreal for me to have anything to do with the Grammys at all. I don't mean to sound like I'm not blown away by it i am i've been very humbled by it it's so nuts but um 
but I wasn't going to the show because I just had too much work to do. I, I just couldn't do it. So my phone started blowing up. And I, at first, I didn't know what was going on. People were, were just writing words like epic, exclamation mark. I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, someone's dead. You know, and it just kept <laughs> blowing up. I just kept looking over my phone. And finally, I, I, someone said, like, you just, you, you, you won a Grammy. I'm like, what? Now, and it's even more confusing because um, the Grammys are kind of, uh, they're trying to do the right thing. Um, which I'm all about, you know, uh, of course, giving an award for any sort of music, it's like giving an award to your child or being the best child when you're kind of ignoring the other kids. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's weird. You can't really award. You can't give out awards for art or music, but you know, the Grammys, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to inspire people and I'm all about it. It inspired me a lot as a kid watching them every year, but there's still this sort of like archaic, like, like every category has its own set of rules, which is confusing. Um, for instance, the big award is album of the year. And I remember I've been nominated for album of the year before with Katy Perry. We didn't win. Um, and I was included in that nomination because I was one of the record producers, but they had a weird rule at the time that if you're a songwriter on the album of the year, you're not included in the nomination, which is bizarre because without the songs, there will be no album to, so, you know, and so I had a, I had a song on Adele's biggest album of her career and one of the biggest albums ever sold called 21. And I'm watching my, most of my, I knew most of the people that were on stage getting the album of the year Grammy that year that it won. And I wasn't on the nominee. I couldn't go up and accept it. I was there. And I just thought, this is weird. Like, I, I'm one of the songwriters on the record. This is a historic record. The Grammys have now changed that. I think a couple of years ago, they changed it, and they realized this is, this is silly. We should include the songwriters on the album of the year. Obviously, songwriters are possibly almost as important as the person singing the song. But the category that, that Michael Buble was nominated in for, for his album Higher, which is what I got a Grammy for this year, the category is called Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album. And the only name of the nomination was Michael Buble. Now, I kept hearing from my management, Greg, you got nominated for a Grammy this year. And I would, I would look at the nominations, the official nominations, and I would only see Michael's name. And I said to my management, I'm not, my name's not on there. And they said, I know, but you're part of the nomination. I said, well, they, wouldn't my name be on there? So I didn't know what was going on. So I, I emailed the Recording Academy, which is basically the Grammys. And I said, can you explain this to me? And they said, I know it's a little weird, but the rules with this one are the following. For some reason, we only put the artist name in this category. We only put the artist name on the nomination. However, if Michael wins, Greg, you will get a Grammy. You'll get a statue. You don't just get a piece of paper. You actually, you will win a Grammy. Uh, I'm like, okay. So, um, you know, wonderfully he did win. And, uh, but as a result, like, you know, nobody really knows I won a Grammy other, unless you follow me on Instagram. Like, uh, I think the Canadian press would be happy to hear about that. But it, because of these weird Grammy rules, like no one knows about it, well, but whatever, it's a nice problem. These are the problems to have in life. If you're gonna have problems, I'll sign up for that one. Um, 
but yes and, and most importantly i'm really happy for michael because michael is uh very canadian in all the best ways he has fantastic people chops he really can if he's sitting one-on-one -on -one with you he can uh he's just he's a really warm wonderful guy who's in what you have just and he also has a lot of interesting saying he's very funny and he's very playful but also if you see him in a stadium with thirty thousand people his vibe is exactly the same and he, he can make everybody in the room feel that way too it's really something else also a very resilient fighter and he really digs in hard for the way that he wants to make music so he's created this path for himself that i can't think of any other artist in the history of modern music that's done that uh where he can sell out a, you know when he goes to like south america he can play in front of eighty thousand people more than one night in a row um in the same stadium same you know soccer stadium and he'll get up and he'll play you know an old mills brothers song and then he'll play like a tango song then he'll play a pop song and then he'll play uh, a big band song then he'll play whatever like whatever he feels like playing he'll play and the fans love it and they expect that sort of variety and and my career is so all over the place it's it's almost psychotic musically it goes from you know death metal literally to jazz to classical to straight up pop so it's all kinds of stuff uh, underground brooklyn djs like it's all over the place i like it that way and and his career is is kind of nuts in the same way i feel super lucky to um ha have had him knock on the door at first i thought i was the wrong choice to work with him uh, i was totally wrong he was right i was wrong about it i loved it i will work with him if he'll have me i'll work with him till the day i am not here anymore he it's it was an amazing experience and i'm so happy for him to see it get recognized um because it, it's a it's a really it's a really beautiful album my favorite stuff on the album is actually like the, the big band tracks there's one in particular that's, that's a slow song um that i think is one of the best things i've ever been a part of it's just and he let me just chase it off the cliff i was really trying to to nail this kind of old school like uh, there's a great sinatra record called songs for swinging lovers stunning album it's really it's in my mind it's a frank sinatra and a nelson riddle record the famous arranger nelson riddle i love the sound of it i love everything about it and I, and um it was my feeble attempt at an homage to that and you know i think i got close um so to have that be recognized at a big commercial event like the grammys was super thrilling it often doesn't happen yeah, no, and, and you hit the nail on the head there too when you talk about Michael carving his own path, because you're right, it's it's just all unheard of. With so many people trying to follow the trends of music instead of just following their own voice, uh, it's refreshing to see Michael get get acknowledged for that at the Grammys. I, I seen, uh, I mean, there's a video clip going around YouTube now of him announcing that he won a Grammy at one of his shows. I think in Spain, maybe he was playing a show. He was in Italy in Milan. Oh, Italy, was it? Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I mean, just just fantastic stuff. He's just such a such a cool cat in every way, shape, and form. Uh, it's really interesting because, well, for me, I'm I'm a bit of a weirdo when it comes to music, and I'm a sailor, so I, I spent too many hours staring into a radar screen. Clearly, but anyway, um, so 
on Sundays <laughs> on the bridge of the ship, I was one of the navigating officers and I'd be, we'd be sailing wherever Sundays on the bridge of the ship. Uh, I'd have music on in the background. Of course, low, you gotta be able to listen to your radios, the store, of course you're on a ship, but you have a little bit of background noise just to keep you from going cracked on, on the bridge of a ship for six hours. So on Sundays, my thing was, I'd always play the standards on Sundays, the Sinatra's, the Dean Martin's, this nice, there were always a few buble tracks that always fell into my playlist. And again, I'm, I mean, I'm working on a ship, but a bunch of, I call them hairy ass old men. I mean, just guys who, you know, come up, you know, either one of two things, drinking beers and, 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 and paneling liquor shots to Guns N' Roses or, or full on, you know, Conway Twitty. It was, there was very little in between. So the guys would come to the bridge like, what is this stuff you're listening to? And over time, found that my audience in the afternoon on Sunday tend to get a little bit more and more and more because you know, it's a different, it's a different genre. Uh, but it's, it's the kind of thing I think that anybody, anybody who has an appreciation for, for a nice clean sound can, can really latch onto. So no, I, uh, I was so pumped. Well, for you primarily, I don't know Michael Buble, uh, but, uh, I was really pumped for you, uh, that you, you had that, that, that honor again, but again, the, the having that Canadian connection and that genre of music recognized, I think was made it all more special as well. So that's Thank really you. cool. Thank you, you know. very much. And you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to dangle a carrot at all, but I, I do have a gut feeling that I'm, I, uh, he's very taken by this whole Trinity hall story, like very taken. And he actually, he campaigned for me with the CBC to cover, uh, what's going on. The CBC was like, <laughs> They did not react at all to it, but he really like he told his whole management team like let's go for it, let's get the story of of me purchasing the church and what we're trying to do with it. They haven't paid attention to it yet, but he was all about. It. So I have a feeling that when his crazy schedule allows it, uh, I just I have a feeling that in some way I can see it happening. I can see him there. I don't know what the context is, but I feel like he's going to show up there at some point and we'll, we'll do something there together. I, mean, I don't know what, but I was going to suggest such a thing, but now you've stolen my thunder. So yeah, it is a Greg Wells idea now. Well, I think, it, I think it'll, I think it'll be his idea. Yeah. Well, I think even, even be, better. Yeah. I think that, it could easily be his idea. That would be. And, and again, I think that, you know, the access that your success and your career has afforded you is going to, to, to open some doors to Newfoundland and musical lovers in Newfoundland hasn't necessarily been open before. Uh, because again, no knock on the acts we've had over the years, but a lot of times we tend to see people near or at the ends of their career when they're on the downslope to, you know, plan, plan shows and getting things done. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's inspiring to, 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 to know that, that, that those possibilities even exist. Um, so, yeah, that's, I was just gonna say, that's, that's the whole point of like, why this is appealing, not just to me, but to any of the sort of more, you know, like actually famous folks that I work with that, that, that this isn't some sort of like, this isn't the Grammys. This isn't some like big flashy blown out thing where you're going for a big, you know, macro, uh, global thing. It's a super, super, super specific, very specific, very regional, uh, exactly one thing. It's a, it's, it's, it's one destination. It's one point. And it's, it's not trying to do a big thing. It's trying to do one thing in one place and just do it at a level of excellence. And that's it. And, and also, by the way, that place is 
absolutely beautiful, filled with the most beautiful people who I also have a huge connection with. And I'm related to, you know, half the town in Winterton. So um, maybe more than half. So it's, uh, to me, that's more exciting than taking a phone call to work with the next pop superstar. I mean, not, you know, I don't get calls like that every day, but those calls come in sometimes. And it's like, it's like, that's more work. This is like you said, it's a passion project and that, that food just tastes different. You know, it's like, it means more. It's, 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 it just shows up on the radar screen in a completely different way. And I think it does for someone like Buble as well. And it does for, for people like Ariana Grande, who I'm working with on this movie, like she, she wanted to know all about it. I've shown her pictures of the inside of Trinity Hall. She said she wants to come. I mean, she's literally has told me that. I don't, I mean, she's insanely busy. She's one of the most uh, famous people on planet Earth. I don't know if we'll ever get her there, but she, who knows? I mean, weirder things have happened. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You you made it there, so our next step is to you know we'll get, we'll get some other people there. It's it certainly has the charm I think that would draw just about anyone in the story, the uniqueness, the history, the landscape, the people, the dialects, you name it. There's nothing about that small town that's not uh, amazingly attractive to anyone from outside, and us locals included. I mean, there's no reason why. Uh, Winterton can't be a little uh, hometown destination as well for people of Newfoundland and Labrador, which again is going to be. We're going to need everyone's everyone's help uh, to make that to make that dream a reality. And I think the more people buy in, the more people who listen to podcasts, the more people who show up to a show, I think that we'll uh, we'll get there. And it's just going to take some time and 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 lots of excitement and lots of energy. And we're certainly there. I want to ask you about uh, you know we're, 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 we we started talking about the Grammys and trailed away from it. But at the end of the day, that, that's that's the topic of conversation we're finishing off on here. And I mean, you mentioned you, you played at the Grammys a couple of times, and I did. I wanted to ask you about because I mean, I always get the question from my from my friends who know me well, and they're like, "So are you tangled up with this Greg Wells project because you're hoping to meet Katy Perry?" And the answer to that obviously is yes. It's a but, clear yes. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly obviously yes. However, uh, I've, <laughs> I've I've had the opportunity to chat with you and get a few Katy Perry stories and whatnot. But I want to know about the time you you played piano. For Katie at the Grammys, uh, in you know full on white suit, the whole shoot match. It was it was an amazing, it was an amazing piece of work. Uh, I remember it actually. Uh, I've been a fan of hers for a while, even more so in recent years when I've gotten to know the individual through you know the American Idols and all the things where you get to actually get immersed in the personality. So uh, just curious about uh, if you got any kind of a story on the back end because I mean, what's a podcast with at least one story? Back end is the is the perfect uh, segue to the story. <laughs> so, um, well, first of all, I love her. I met her when she was nineteen. Uh, she's now, you know, a mom, and uh, I'm just I'm really happy for her career wise. And I, I, you know, I believed in her early on. Um, I continued to work with her after she got drop from her record label and uh i just i i always knew that she had such enormous potential and she knew it too you know she was a great great inspiration and like just really betting on yourself you got to bet on yourself in in the arts you really got to roll the dice on yourself but you also have to put the work in and you gotta she was she was dropped she was dropped from a label at one point wasn't she three times three times oh wow three times and the last time was she had made um 
she had made uh her debut album and um um and what happened was is a guy named tim divine he was the head of west coast a and r for columbia records he was a storied actually excellent a and r guy um who was the a and r man for aerosmith and all kinds of folks he just he's one of those like, he had great ears he had great suggestions um uh and um some guy became the president of columbia in new york and tim did not like this guy and he said i'm not going to report to that guy please don't hire him i don't want anyway the guy got hired and tim quit he says i'm not i'm done see you later and as a vengeful move the president dropped all of tim's acts guess who those acts were Katy perry who was unproven at the time but also 50 cent uh and the jonas brothers um and and one republic which had the song apologize on the record so like they probably lost could even be up like it could could have been close to a billion dollars in revenue just got lost because of ego fragility in on the executive side of the music business which is by the way, if you want to know where the biggest fragile egos are, it's not the singers and the bands and the artists. It's the executives in the music business. It's really, really strange. Anyway, so um, Katie's wonderful. and uh, But for some reason, and she's invited me to play live with her several times. And I always say yes. And every time, there's always some like insane weird thing that happens. The first time she asked me to play live with her was in London uh and i happened to be there and she was closing the itunes music festival at this really cool venue in london and <laughs> she it was a song i'd written with her and she built this special like cool neon triangle that was gonna go i don't know around or near me playing this keyboard for some reason they put it in front of me so nobody could see me they just saw a triangle so there I am playing behind this triangle. She introduces me. I walk out and then I sit behind a triangle. It's like, what was going on? There was that. Another time she invited me to play at the Hollywood Bowl with her, which is, you know, like one of the most famous venues in the world. And um, it was a, uh, again, a lovely, you know, like a ballad that we'd written. It was about a sensitive subject. It was just piano and vocal. And for some reason, it was a grand piano, but they had replaced the actual keys with a MIDI electronic keyboard. Why not just mic a grand piano with real strings and a microphone? But it was so I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm playing. Everything's fine. And then we did the sound check. It was fine. And then I show up and she's introducing me and I walk on stage. There's 20,000 people outside. It's the Hollywood Bowl. And I sit down at the piano and because I'm an old man, I don't like using those in-ear monitors that all the kids use today. Now I like using floor speakers, floor wedges, they're called floor monitors because when I was in bands, that's what it was. I don't like things in my ears. I want to hear stuff in the room live. So I had requested a floor monitor and there was beside me on the floor, Katie has these in-ears, okay? And the rest of her band, all her backup singers, they have these in-ear monitors. There's no other speakers on stage, nothing. There's no guitar amps, there's nothing. The only thing that makes sound are the drums. But on this song, there were no drums. 
even my piano wasn't making sound because there's no strings in the piano it's just a fake it's a body of a grand piano but it's like an electric keyboard so i start playing this thing at the hollywood bowl and there's no sound <laughs> but yeah. i start hearing like and i realize what's going on there is sound from this piano i hear it kind of echoing the hollywood bowl is an outside venue right and it's yeah. a very slow incline so the sound's not really bouncing off anything it's just kind of going out into the air and i'm kind of hearing like this watery and the pa system at the hollywood bowl is way in front of the stage and it's way up high in the air so i can't really hear what's happening and i realize oh shit, here's what's going on katie can hear me perfectly the audience can hear me perfectly i can't hear anything and then she starts singing and i'm like, what do i do so i had to lip read and i'm just watching her she was about 20 feet in front of me and i just <laughs> like a terrible nightmare and i thought i could stop right now i could stop and go why can't i hear and i, I realized i would just look like a total jerk because no one would understand why i'm stopping because they can hear me i'm the only one that knows i can't hear me so i just it's on youtube you can watch the performance I make one mistake because I can't hear myself, but I got through it. You can't tell that I could. Anyway, so there was, there's always this anxiety around a thing. So here's the end of the story. So she, we get invited by the Grammys to perform a song called Not Like the Movies, which is about her falling in love with Russell Brand before he revealed that he's a very difficult guy to be married to. And she was very in love with this guy. And uh, she wanted it to be this incredibly romantic thing and she had this movie made of her and russell you know uh, footage of them like kind of courting each other and uh, and she was going to be 50 feet up in the air on this swing covered in flowers and she wanted me to be in all white so they they i swear to you they flew a white steinway piano a replica of john lennon's white steinway piano i don't think it was the original john lennon piano but i think it was I think Steinway calls it the John Lennon model. Flew it out from New York. Flew it out from New York to LA. She sent me to Giorgio Armani in Beverly Hills and had them make a tailor-made white silk suit for me, which was a whole experience in and of itself. And actually, it was no, no pressure so far, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> it was weird. I was like, they were really cool. I said, guys, I am like, you know. I'm from a small like farming factory town. No one's ever made a tailor-made suit for me, especially made of silk by Armani. And they were great. Uh, so anyway, whatever. So there I am. And the Grammys make you, if you're performing on the Grammys, which I had done before, um, twice before this, I've actually done it three times. This is the last time I did it. And, uh, or was it, maybe that was the second time anyway, whatever. So, they make you rehearse a lot. You do a full dress rehearsal. The Grammys are on a Sunday. You do a full dress rehearsal Friday night, a full dress rehearsal Saturday night. And then on, on the day of the actual telecast, they also do a full dress rehearsal that morning, like full. Um, it's incredibly locked in. It's, 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 it's like clockwork. You know, the Grammys are unbelievably complicated. There's all these bands that are set up on stages. There's like probably 10 different stages backstage that are all on wheels and everything comes out and moves. And there's, it has to be like synced up like 
like a military exercise. They all went great. All the dress rehearsals went great. Everything was great. So it's showtime, literally showtime. And the entire music business is in the audience, right? Like all my heroes, they're right there. I can see a lot of them. There they are. And I'm sitting at this white piano. I'm in a white silk suit on a white piano bench. And we hear the announcement. Okay, two minutes to air. We're on a commercial break. Two minutes. And, uh, and then Katie, she, the swing has not been raised up into the air yet. And she's, it's just the two of us. It's just her and I start the song. This is also on YouTube. And she, she's getting attached into the swing and she turns and she looks at me and she smiles. And then she goes, don't fuck it up. <laughs> and I laughed like, okay. Uh, and then she gets, you know, raised up in the air she's literally 40 or 50 feet up in the air and something about that the reality of what was going on just hit me like i felt like a horse had kicked me in the stomach and all of a sudden i was about to lose bowel control <laughs> in front of the music business on stage in a white silk suit on a white piano bench with a white spotlight on me <laughs> i'm the only person on stage other than one of the world's most famous pop artists above me on a swing and and i thought i think i need to run off stage and like deal with and i just realized i can't i can't because 30 seconds to air and i'm like squirming and like trying to like what am i gonna do and i just it was so freaky 10 seconds and then just something about the adrenaline and the nerves just took over and I did not crap my pants, thankfully. And then we started, okay, okay go. Uh, and I think Neil Patrick Harris was the host that year and I heard him intro us and then I got a cue from somebody it's like, go. And so I started playing and uh, and it was good and it felt right. It was good. And she was singing. Everything was cool. Played the intro and then we got into the first verse and that was good. Now this is a song I wrote with her. Okay. And I wrote the piano part too. And I had already made the record. I produced the record and I had brainwashed myself with the piano part for weeks knowing I was going to be on TV in front of live in front of literally hundreds of millions of people. The, uh, it's, uh, some people estimate that the live viewing audience for the Grammys is actually a billion people. No pressure. Um, and, and not to mention being live in front of all of the you know, iconic music heroes of uh, every era um, sitting in front of you. And so I kept playing it in the car over and over and over and over and over again. We get through the first verse and then here comes the section before the first chorus. It's called the pre-chorus. Uh, some people call it the B verse. I call it the pre-chorus. And I realize about a bar in front of it, I don't have a clue what the chords are. I have no idea what to play. I've just snow. It's just a field of white snow. I have no clue what the next note is. Not a clue. And I'm about to destroy my career right now. 
and then i just entered some weird like other awful parallel dimension of torture and anxiety <laughs> and i don't know what was going on and it was just a wormhole of hell and then i didn't know what was happening and then i found myself playing the end of the pre-course and then the course first course was coming up and i knew what that was and i was back and then i played the course and i knew what it was and then the rest of the song was fine it was fine and it was over and i was so relieved when it was over now when i watched the footage of it i didn't play one wrong note not one wrong note it was just i i don't know what happened it was some insane nerve thing of like Playing on live TV is different than playing in front of li just a regular live audience. There's something about knowing that the cameras are on you and that there's a weird other audience that you can't see. Uh, I actually did not enjoy that at all. I, I, it's, anyway, that was like the probably the worst experience I've ever had with someone who I'm so fond of, you know, and she went to such lengths to like make me look great. And then, of course, ironically, on the TV feed, the camera never never there's no close-up of me at all i'm literally just like a couple little white pixels in one tiny little corner of the tv screen which is probably a good thing uh it's all on her as it should be it should be all on her but um like no one noticed you know i may as well have been wearing a plaid suit um playing you know whatever but uh, yeah katie for some reason every time i play live with her it's always some pardon the pun shit show shit show <laughs> Oh God, Greg! That's probably one of my favorite stories I've heard ever. So yeah, no, oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, I think on that note, we're gonna knock this on the head. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't really follow that story with anything. But no, there's. I had other questions, and I'm just gonna save them until the next time we do this. We'll do this again in the future, hopefully after <laughs> we announce some more Silly Cove uh, Records uh, uh, artists. Uh, or after Katy Perry comes on, maybe that can happen. I don't know. Hey, you can make that happen. Feel free. Well, she'd be a great second guest. Ah, she can't be. Courtney Wicks, by the way, guys, episode two of the Downey's Bank podcast. We got uh, Silly Cove Records' own uh, Courtney Wicks. So she'll be on our next episode. She's excited. She actually designed said logo. Uh, she's She is one of the most well-rounded, most all... all uh, I'm an all encompassing, talented people. I think I know, uh, she's good at everything. It's sickening. I hate her. Uh, and, and I love her. So, um, can't wait to get Courtney on, uh, probably next week. We'll do that. Uh, time, uh, time willing, weather permitting all that good stuff. Um, Miss Wicks will be on for a little chat as well, but for now, uh, Greg, thanks for joining me on the bench. Uh, we're really glad that you took the time and we're so happy to be following along with everything you got going on and wearing. It's going to be, it's going to be quite an adventure and a, and a great ride. So looking forward to what comes next. Apologies for the overshare. And um, yeah, I could not be more excited. And thank you for all of your help, Brian. You're really like an incredible teammate to, to take this on with me. Um, uh, and, you know, I can't wait to see what's around the corner.
Yeah, absolutely, man. For sure. Okay, guys, if you've enjoyed what you listened to, if you've enjoyed what you've seen, we run the podcast uh, two different ways. Uh, you can uh, stream it online through Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you download your podcasts. Or you can check it out on uh, on YouTube. Just search Downey's Bank Podcast on YouTube and you'll get our YouTube channel. Also, uh, if you're interested in what's happening at Silly Cove Records, check it out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Silly Cove Records. Uh, you'll see the podcast there as well. So unless there's anything else, make sure to click, like, subscribe, all that jazz, and I guess we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Greg. Thank you.